Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is sponsored by Filecoin Foundation. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to The Hash here on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O and Will Foxley. It's a Tuesday. Let's do this thing. Will, looks like Bitcoin is uh, moving northward. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's go. Bitcoin is up past 30K, guys. It happened late last night. Pretty awesome move. Over the last 24 hours, we've seen a 6% gain in the price of Bitcoin. Bitcoin correlated stocks like Coinbase, Marathon, MicroStrategy, they're all up at least 5%. And some of these Bitcoin mining stocks are even up over 10%. A lot of Bitcoin stocks or stocks correlated with Bitcoin have trade like beta plays. So whenever Bitcoin goes up, they're going to go up even more. And that trend has only continued with this recent rally. Of course, this comes after pretty low lows in December, right? We're feeling around 16, 15K, and now we're up over 80% year to date. So put a little juice in the back of everyone's pocket right now, which is great. Uh, this is also happening amidst tightening in the rest of the economy. Uh, one little factoid to throw at you is the fact that the NASDAQ volatility and Bitcoin volatility are the widest spread that we've seen in quite some time right now. It sort of points to investors saying, hey, we see a difference between NASDAQ stocks and Bitcoin, which is good stuff. It's the decoupling that we've always wanted. Waiting to throw this one over to you, get your thoughts on it. Oh man, I have to tell on myself now. So I had to travel last week and one of my trading roles is do not trade and travel because I've lost a lot of money doing that. So I closed out my long, but I'm glad that I closed out my long because I think my stop would have gotten hit. And yeah, I wasn't able to catch this move a little bit sad, but I still do have my spot, still do have my spot Bitcoin, which is a lot larger than my trading portfolio. And it's just very exciting. I think we'll be able to easily target about 31,800. That's where the kind of the next area of resistance is. Some people may be targeting like 31,200. But it's exciting to see Bitcoin actually perform well, especially when we are in an area of uncertainty when it comes to global economics and global money and with the CBDC coming and how all this stuff is happening. So Bitcoin could, in fact, meet that narrative of being a hedge against the US dollar. So yay, go Miss B. Zach, what are your thoughts? I like how the piece says there's no apparent news driving uh, the increase in price. So I'm just, I'm just wondering, guys, what do you think this is? Is this people responding to that New York Times piece and just being like, Bitcoin is good? Let's Who do even this read thing? That piece? Or like, I read that piece. What a piece. It was a great piece. I wrote it was a blog a piece about it. 
It's part of her job, but I feel like most people in crypto that see that kind of rubbish on mainstream media, they're just like, I'm not even going to bother, especially Bitcoin Max. He's like, why would you read that when you know half of it is not even true? And it's like painting a particular bias because they want Bitcoin to be banned in the US. Like, I don't know. I don't think people care about that piece. The Bitcoin Maxis are very much some of the discourse. They read everything that mainstream media puts out, which is just ironic, but it's sort of a fact here. (laughs) Zach, I want to get your take on the decoupling, though, because that's been a narrative that we've talked about for like years at this point, right? And we are seeing that divergence for the first time with this recent rally. Yeah, super notable. I mean, I think that the idea of Bitcoin establishing itself on its own terms is super important, right? It's just not acting like it was during the last bull cycle where it sort of traded just like any other risky tech stock would, right? It's sort of establishing itself on its own footing in a period of macroeconomic uncertainty as, you know, it's kind of, it seems distant now, but remember when all those banks were failing? Remember when all that stuff was happening? People were worried about a banking crisis. The idea that Bitcoin seems to look a lot better in investors' eyes in the wake of some of these bank collapses remains really powerful and potentially compelling for the Bitcoin narrative going forward. So, you know, we had the ordinals thing kick off a lot of interest in terms of building on Bitcoin. We had sort of the banking crisis kick off a lot of interest in Bitcoin as being an alternative to some of these problems that we were seeing in the traditional financial system. So for those two tailwinds to be pushing Bitcoin up to where we're seeing it now is certainly important and interesting. But Will, I think you're absolutely right to focus in on it being different from the rest of the market when historically over the last few years, we've seen it act quite similarly to the rest of the market. Do you, I mean, I guess my question back to you is, what do you think is fueling that? And do you think this is that real moment in which Bitcoin is starting to act like something truly different? Yeah, and I'll go back to the stat I threw out earlier and give a little more context for it. So according to Kaiko, which is a great research team out there, everyone should definitely go follow. The volatility for NASDAQ and the volatility for Bitcoin, the highest divergence that we've seen year to date, which is a great indicator that these two things are separating, right? People just see them as like different assets. And uh, I don't quite know what the reason for this is, right, Zach? So like going back a month ago, six weeks ago, we're talking about Silvergate and Signature and SVB, all these bank explosions. And it was a great moment to be like, hey, I can verify that I have this amount of Bitcoin in my pocket at all times. I don't know what's an SVB. I don't know if I have access to my Signature bank account, right? So there was like a clear narrative violation there, clear narrative forming around this time. And we saw Bitcoin start to separate a little bit. But the time is like, Bitcoin trades for a lot of reasons. There wasn't really any like momentum behind that. It was just like an idea that there was a there was a narrative forming there. I think like six weeks to pass that, we are seeing like a stark difference between these two things. And the hope is it continues, right? That we continue to see that decoupling. I, mean, I don't want to like call a rally short. Like I, I think it's probably not going to be sustained. And maybe Wendy has some opinions on this. But it, it is odd to see this happening because historically, Bitcoin has traded so closely to tech stocks that it's almost laughable. Uh, That's how people see it. That's how investors see it. But we're seeing a change here in the midst of rate raises and tech stocks still being low and the NASDAQ not selling as high as we'd like it to be. But when you want to get your thoughts on that. So even though like this is kind of unprecedented, like because like you said, that Bitcoin generally follows the tech stocks, I don't like to question Bitcoin's volatility. I don't like to question these types of moves because just when you think that you can kind of time the market correctly and then you get this big move that happens, whether it's up or down, it's kind of, we just kind of go with it, especially as trading Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin generally does things that people don't expect it to do. And we can use TA, we can use fundamentals as much as we want. But when the market is trending a particular way, don't trade against the market. Just, you know, if you don't want to get in a position, that's fine. Just kind of sit on the sidelines. But it's always fun to see like these insane moves that happen 
especially when all odds are against us. And I feel like that's why so many people can kind of resonate with Bitcoin and, you know, apply to so many different aspects of their lives or, you know, their ideologies because it moves how it wants to move. And it's pretty exciting to see. And it's kind of this big silent protest that we all know about. It's like we're in this club, but we're not in this club because everybody can participate in it. It's super cool. I'm here for it. I love it. That's a nice little rallying cry for what Bitcoin can and should be. Interesting. Yeah, right. she's great. Let's change gears. All right. So, of course, we have to talk about this. This is the most annoying story ever in the world. So the SEC is adding attorneys to crypto enforcement unit. Oh, my. So the SEC's crypto crime unit is looking to hire general attorneys in New York, Washington, and San Francisco. Attorneys expected to conduct investigations involving crypto securities, develop litigation plans, draft legal documents, including subpoenas, and conduct depositions. The salaries range between... 140000 260000 depending on the location. Um, the job posting comes after Gary Gensler asked for around $2.4 billion in funding for the purpose of chasing down crypto misconduct on March 28th. I think that this is absolutely ridiculous because I don't know if the $2.4 billion actually got approved, but I don't know how you can hire attorneys to go after people when there's no regulatory framework on how to go after people or like, what is the security? What isn't a security? Because literally the CFTC and the SEC are bickering between what's a security and what isn't a security. And we also have Congress stepping in and wanting to talk to Gary. I believe that they're supposed, I think it's a House committee. There was a separate unit that was established January 2023. I forget which one it is, but they're going to be questioning Gary and asking like, basically, what have you done? Like, we want guidelines. We want regulation. Like, we want some framework. So I don't understand how they're able to hire people when they don't have anything to kind of go after other bad actors. Will, you made a, a face. That's a fair so, point. I am always making faces, though. So don't okay, take fine. that as a sign of intelligence. I'll take it really quick and then I'll throw it to Zach. I want to read two headlines really quickly. This is from February 2023, so only two months ago. The SEC to make it harder for hedge funds to work with crypto firms, according to Bloomberg. And then I want to go back in the time machine to last summer, a headline from Coindesk. SEC enforcement head asks Congress for more resources to tackle crypto issues. I see this headline very much so how I saw those headlines. SEC wants more money to take on this larger product that it really does see under its umbrella. The CFTC also sees it under its umbrella in some way. We've talked about that a lot. A lot of these other agencies also see crypto sort of fearing to their lane. As this asset class grows, you're only going to see more of these headlines. So I don't think it's anything that's necessarily like that spooky. The one thing I'll throw out there to your point, Wendy, about like there's no rules or regulations that the SEC is working off of. I think we actually do have more clarity than we did have in the past. And that's based on some comments from Gary Gensler. Uh, notably, he had some comments in a pretty large magazine, which I'm forgetting the name of right now saying that everything besides Bitcoin is security. So if you take that at his word and you see that he has two more years in office and he's continuing to get funding, that might be the regulation that we see coming down the pipeline. Zach. Yeah. So Gary Gensler's SEC has long been criticized by crypto folks as pursuing regulation by enforcement. So this is very much par for the course, right? In lieu of actual clear guidelines for what people can do and what they can't do, what we've seen time and time again is these enforcement actions that sort of cobble together in a piecemeal fashion what crypto firms in the U.S. can and can't do, right? And this drives crypto people crazy because they just want to clear rules of the road, right? They want to know what's legal, what's not. What's the speed limit? Tell me the speed limit. Instead, what we see here is speed traps set up by the SEC under Gary Gensler's leadership. And we're going to see more of that as indicated by these job postings. So I think that is a bit frustrating um, to you know a lot of the general counsels in the room who are working with their crypto teams and trying to establish a footing in the US in a compliant and legal manner. So obviously, we've seen these fights. We've seen Coinbase dragged under the microscope. 
We're going to see them be probably quite loud in the SEC's complaint against them. There are a bunch of teams who obviously are within uh, within the SEC's sites. And so it's going to be this growing battle in which more lawyers are working at the SEC, more lawyers are working with these teams. But ultimately, I think what we're seeing here is probably more of what the crypto community dreaded, right? More of that regulation by enforcement as evidenced by these job posts. I don't know, Wendy, I got to toss. Okay, so first thing, like if we're going to take what Gary Gensler said literal in that article about everything being a security besides Bitcoin or whatever, then shouldn't the Hinman speech be allowed to be introduced as evidence into the court case with Ripple versus the SEC? That's number one. Number two, like what a waste, what a waste of $2.3 billion or whatever that was. Like the fact that the United States of America is in a recession, like people are having trouble paying for anything. And we're, we're literally using taxpayer dollars to hire these attorneys, which that doesn't even like, how do you, I don't even know how they could justify $2.6 billion when the attorney's salary is only like 140000 to like 260000 or whatever that number was. It's kind of like ridiculous. Like, what are they going to be doing with that extra money? There's a lot of things that aren't making sense to me. And I feel like they need to establish some sort of regulatory guidelines and then hire the attorneys. Like, how could you go ask for money when you haven't even done like the initial part of your job? Like you're basically hiring these, asking for money, hiring these attorneys, hiring enforcements when they don't have any type of framework to actually go after people. It makes no sense to me. And again, it's like a mockery of our system. There's a mockery of American taxpayers because that's where the money's coming from. I have a request for an open source dashboard on Dune Analytics. So anyone who uses Dune or is out there and watching this, please put this together. I want an SEC lawyer count versus Uniswap pair count and just like a little tracker indicator. So we can see like Ooh. how many people they're hiring at the SEC and how many different tokens <laughs> are launched out there that they have to go track down, beat the doors down and like throw some fines at some people. That's what I want to see. Ooh, I like it. It's like somebody's you know, going to create crypto coin for this now, Will, because of what you just said. <laughs> That'd be interesting. The SEC lawyer index. We could like go to like, I don't know, go spin that up over on uh, index co-op or something. It sounds fun. <laughs> Reminds me of like the teacher to student ratio when you were looking at colleges, right, Will? Is that what Ooh. you're saying? Like lawyers per coin ratio. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Some more half-baked ideas spawned here in real time on The Hash. Hey, this is Jensen Nancy from The Hash. Are you heading to Consensus? Because I am, along with the rest of The Hash crew. If you're there, you have to connect with the Filecoin community ahead of Coindesk's big event at the Filecoin Network Base from April 24th through April 26th in downtown Austin. Join Filecoin ecosystem contributors for lightning talks on Web3, gaming, developer workshops, and the latest updates on the Filecoin virtual machine. Spanning three floors packed with programming and networking opportunities, the network base hosted by Filecoin Foundation is your go-to spot for cross-chain collaboration and connection in Austin. Register today at networkbase.io forward slash Austin. Coindesk's Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code THEHASH to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes.
let's talk about Gemini. That's crypto exchange famously run by two famous twins, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. They are early Bitcoin backers, Bitcoin billionaires, in fact. And to prop up their crypto platform, they have reportedly lent $100 million, according to a nice scoop out of Bloomberg this morning. Now, this comes after they tried to get outside investment, according to sources, and failed to do so. So as such, the Winklevi extended a $100 million loan to the company to make sure that they could get afloat. Allegedly, this money is going to go toward funding operations. This isn't related directly to some of the spats that Gemini has had with Genesis, the crypto lender owned by DCG, which, disclosure, is the parent company of Coindesk. This indeed will go toward keeping the exchange going in this period of crypto downturn and contagion. What do we think here? Is this a good thing? What does this say about Gemini and its prospects? We got two twins here stepping up and writing a big check to keep their company going. Wendy, what do you think? Um, I wasn't expecting this story today, but um, I'm glad that they're taking responsibility and helping their company. Um, however, it does make me a little bit weary. And I just want to remind everyone, please do not store any assets on a crypto exchange any way, shape or form. I don't care who is running the exchange. I don't care if they say they're solvent or not. Um, this does make me a little bit nervous. Again, I'm not saying that they, Gemini is insolvent, but it does make me a little bit worrisome about the whole situation because that's a big check, especially in a bear market. Like I would want to know more, like what is that money going towards and why do they feel that they needed to inject $100 million into their company from their own personal money? You know, I got a bigger question and that's like, do the Winklevi twins share like a pot of money stick together? Is that what I'm reading in this headline? Because that's what it looks like. Like they have the same bank account. I don't know. Kind of a weird situation there. Maybe <laughs> that's how they operate. They're, they're twins. They, they share clothing, they share stages, they share a company, they share a bank account. So like, who knows? But let's go to the main point here. And that is that Gemini does have some solvency issues. That's the whole reason that we're in this problem. And they have solvency issues because of Genesis. And Genesis lost all their money from Three Euros Capital, which Three Euros Capital went bust because they longed Bitcoin into the moon. And then they missed the moon. And you know they're sailing along the stars out in Dubai and Bali and having fun there. But uh, all these people who were locked in their Gemini account and were not able to get their funds because of it, they're the ones really eating the losses from what 3AC did in this account. Uh, so I think that's why the $100 million is there. They want to keep Gemini floating. It is an exchange. It does have bills payable that it has to meet. There are people on payroll that still need to be paid. And right now, as much as Bitcoin is going up, you know, we're past 30K today. That doesn't mean that yesterday's horror stories are anywhere buried. Some of these body parts are still sticking out of the grave and we still have to figure out a way to clean them up. Uh, and put them to rest finally. And I think that's what Gemini is really trying to do here. Hopefully they're able to do it. Just a note that Genesis Trading is going through the Chapter 11 process. It was supposed to be closed this coming month in May. That's what the restructuring deal said as of November, December. So we'll see what that looks like. I'm assuming that there's going to be some more Gemini Genesis news coming out of that. Hopefully it's all good stuff for all our retail friends out there trapped on Gemini. Zach, over to you. Yeah, there's a big chunk of change locked up in that earned program, right? Something like, was it 900 million that was the source of this big, big, loud public beef between uh, Cameron, Tyler, and Barry, right? This uh, erupted in the wake of the FTX implosion and was pretty ugly, right? So I guess the things that things are moving somewhat steadily and seemingly in an orderly fashion, I guess is good for a lot of people who are caught up in this mess. But yeah, it is certainly interesting to see this news come out of Bloomberg, according to these sources, that this is something that, you know, the founders of this platform are undertaking here at this point in time, right? And maybe, again, maybe, maybe the rising tide of that big orange coin will help this look like a good deal in the end for the Winklevoss brothers. But then again, maybe it's not gonna be enough to stop the bleeding. And I think that's what people are speculating when they see scoops like this 
out in the business press today. So yeah, it's interesting to see what Gemini is going to do and how they're going to come back from this one. You know, they've been very public, I think, in laying out their game plan, both in their disputes with Genesis and others. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they ultimately say. They declined to comment to Coindesk. It appears as though they declined to comment to Bloomberg as well. So it should be interesting to see if we get any additional clarity from the team directly outside of these sources. Quick thing, um, aren't we supposed to be more transparent with the crypto exchanges now? Like, aren't we supposed to show proof reserves and do all of these things? Like, I would like to know like an exact breakdown of where that money is going. And I get that traditional finance, like banks, hedge funds, all those people, they don't do it. But I feel like crypto, we have an opportunity to create this better ecosystem. And if I was them, I probably would have said exactly what the money's going to. But I'm just a poor pleb. They didn't say anything, right? I mean, this is all sauces. This is people talking who aren't really authorized to talk. So this Mommy is sauces. this is this is reporters doing their thing. So it should be interesting to see if any uh, additional information comes out. It does appear as though the Bloomberg piece was updated to include an additional nugget about the 100 million going toward operations rather than toward this settlement that they had reached with Genesis. So an interesting little back and forth on the reporting side of things. But good piece. Okay, we got more regulation stories. We're going to end the day there. We're going to talk about the IMF. According to IMF's new report titled The Global Financial Stability Report, was published on Tuesday. The IMF is calling for new standards and regulations around cryptocurrencies, namely stablecoins, saying that the assets, transfers, custodianship, etc., of stablecoins and other cryptocurrencies needs to be standardized in order to protect the financial system. This comes on the heels of the IMF saying that they're expecting global growth of all economies to slow down over the next few years, around 3% based on current conditions with tightening of economies and like the currency crisis and things like that. What do I see in this whole picture? What do, you, what do I see in like this whole IMF report is that banks are starting to take these things a little bit more seriously. So I actually don't see this as a negative headline. IMF, obviously a very large international body, and they're going to have an interest in seeing how these currencies that are now moving around the world are going to be issued and see if they are stable. Uh, a lot of these headlines, I think people were looking at in the past, probably thinking like IMF might try to ban stable coins or international bodies like the G7, G20 are going to try to ban stable coins or cryptocurrencies. Seems like they've kind of capitulated and now they're just calling for regulation. Wendy, I'll throw it over to you for your take. I actually like that they're calling for regulation and I feel that there's no reason why every single country is not pushing, like has some sort of regulation. I feel like we've had enough time to do so. And I really feel like the public servants just need to kind of understand that that we're, the crypto community is willing to compromise. Like I feel like me, myself, I, I'm willing to compromise. Like tell me how, many, how much taxes I need to pay. Tell me what I can and can't do. And I feel like a lot of other people, especially a lot of these business owners, a lot of these entrepreneurs, they want the same thing. They want to know what can I do and what can I do. So I'm not understanding why it's so hard to get regulation. Um, but at the same time, I feel like these people, the public servants, they want to have all of the power. And I get that. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to. With decentralized finance and with crypto, people can create these systems. They can create these products and they're not able to be stopped. And I feel like the public servants just kind of need to understand that and work with us to where we could come up with some sort of happy medium. Zach? Yeah, I forget who said it, but regulation needs a throat to choke, right? And that's why DeFi is potentially quite scary to some of these things, right? Because there's no one really to go after and sue and drag into court and say, hey, what are you doing, right? And so I think stablecoin issuers really are that throat to choke as identified by regulators and those who in the crypto community are worried about regulatory capture, right? Stablecoins have dollar reserves backing many of them. They sit in a bank in the real world somewhere. And those banks can be hauled into court by governments worldwide 
And we can face problems with what's arguably or ostensibly at least a decentralized system, right? And so that is the thing that's anima animated the whole quest for like algorithmic stable coins, the whole thing about UST being away from this system that could be impacted by declarations such as this. And so it makes sense that this is kind of where I think regulators are focusing their energies, right? Like if this is something that's going to touch the banking system, and it's something that potentially has cascading effects for people in the real world who may need consumer protection, of course, they're going to go after this part of, of the crypto economy. And it's something that I think crypto people are cognizant of and are trying to think about ways to participate in, to like Wendy's point, but also to build systems that sort of do an end run around this whole conversation, right? So uh, again, I'm really curious to see what comes out of like this Arthur Hayes, like Bitcoin back stablecoin thing, right? Here's a product that has found like product market fit. But the fact that it's like most of these stable coins are basically administered by like pseudo banks makes it risky for a decentralized system that people in the industry say they're trying to build. So that's what like maybe is the subtext here, but who knows? But I feel like if we had some sort of regulation and guidelines, then we can kind of like do the crypto thing. And then we can also do the non-crypto thing and work together to create things that don't break. So whose fault is it really? Like I like Arthur Hayes too. I think he's an absolute legend. But at the same time, it's like there's going to be problems with things until people can like learn to work together. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know when I he's mean, on pro SEC there. Hey, are you poking the bear right now? Are you poking the bear? Just I'm not pro SEC. Listen, I would be pro SEC if Gary Gensler stepped down and um, <laughs> was held accountable for his actions. Because honestly, he has done nothing but waste taxpayers time and money. He's literally meeting with one of the biggest fraudsters in the world and he still has a job like I wish that I could make like $200,000 a year, whatever it is he makes and not do my job, do a horrible job and get paid, have a great pension, living my best life. Like I wish I could be that. I'm a little bit jealous here. Not going to lie. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I guess you're not going to be applying to those, that lawyer position, even if we spun up a JD for you real I quick. I should. You know what? I wanted to be a lawyer when I was little and then I probably should go back to school to do it just because I'm really, really petty and apply for the job. That would be absolutely epic. All right. We're going to hold you to that. It sounds like a good scheme. All right. That's it for the show today. We're going to go study up, hit the library, go read some legal textbooks. We'll be back before you know it. It'll be fun. All right. That's it. I'm Zach. We got Wendy. We got Will. We're the hash. Check us out on the podcast network, by the way. Good stuff there for your ears. Go download us and other podcasts over on that fine platform. That's it. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress.
The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.